Hello, and welcome to the Live as Lions podcast, where we are in pursuit of living life wild and free. On today's episode, we are sharing our adoption story. We are the biggest fans of adoption. We love it. We believe every child needs a mama and a baba or a mama or a baba. No matter what the constellation is, we believe kids need a family that That's love right. them right. and, and care for them. So, uh, yes, we are huge advocates for adoption. And uh, it's it's one of the best things I've ever done in my life. Absolutely. One of the best yeses. We just talked about this the other day. It was one of the best yeses that I have ever given. Mm-hmm. Uh, but how about you, Liz? When, when was your first encounter with adoption? Well, I didn't really know what adoption was or what orphans were until about, I think it was, I was 12 years old. Um, and that was one of my... Yeah, earliest memories of remembering that I really wanted to pursue adoption. My father had come home for the first time from China. Um, it was this really big trip for him. He had studied Chinese at school. He was fluent in Chinese and his father had gone to China when he was 20 and had really passed down the love for the culture to him. And finally he was able to go. And so he, he and my mother went for about a month to China and they came back and I remember we were so excited to hear the story, hear the adventures, you know, what was this culture like, this this amazing far off magical land that we'd just grown up always hearing about. And so my dad brought out the slide machine. Ooh. Yeah, that's right, old school people. And you know, every every slide, click, 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 he, he showed us all the amazing architecture, all the wonderful places, Tiananmen Square, you know, the Forbidden City, and all these, uh, wonderful pictures of him eating, you know, fried gra- grasshoppers on a stick off the street, and just the great, delicious, fantastic parts of the culture. And then I remember there was a, fl- a few slides where there was these very young children um, just on the side of the road without any parents around, very poor. And I had said to my father dad, what's, you know, what's with these children? He said, oh, those are orphans. And I said, what's an orphan? And he, he took some time to really explain that to me. And I was so devastated. I remember running to my bedroom and crying. And that was the first time I ever remember hearing, um, hearing the Lord in prayer, because I heard you will adopt a little girl from China. And that just stuck with me so so deeply it really changed the course of of my life in a lot of ways when you know I went over to Germany and we started traveling and and doing nonprofit work we really started focusing on orphans around the world and at-risk children and that became a, a big part of who I was and I think who you were which is why it was funny when it led to when you and I are actually dating and do you remember me asking you how you felt about adoption? Yeah, it was it was quite strange. One of the, you know, when you date, you normally have conversations about, hey, what's your favorite color? <laughs> what? What? What do you? Five. <laughs> <laughs> what do you like eating? You know. Um, but I remember I was given the question, hey, if this is supposed to go anywhere, you need to be okay with adoption. That is so not would how you, I said. Would you be okay? Um, you know, is that something you seriously would consider? Are you open to adopt into our family? Yes, I did ask that. 
So I was sitting there and I was like, whoa, that's... We're not even that, engaged. Like, <laughs> that, that escalated quickly. I <laughs> didn't see that one coming. But at the same time, I also was like, well, we are like our work is helping kids who are either orphans or in, uh, endangered or in need. And I love the work we did. And therefore, I was like, yeah, of course, I can imagine that. Um, that would actually be great. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think I think it was something that, you know, if that's that's something that you really feel passionate about pursuing, you absolutely need to bring that into the dynamic of your your relationship with your possible future spouse and make sure that you're on the same page. Because for me, it was a non-negotiable and it needed to be something that we had discussed as a very serious thing before we entered into our our marriage. Mm -hmm. And then we entered into our marriage and we got married pretty young. We were 23 and how old were you? 56? Yeah. <laughs> At 25, 25. And we we waited a few years to um, kind of figure out how marriage worked and then we decided- said no kids. No kids. No kids in the first three years is a kids-free zone. Kids-free zone. <laughs> We just knew we had a lot of work to do in our marriage before we, we made anyone come into that. No, um, we we waited a few years and and then it was time to pursue. We felt it was time to pursue growing our family. And so we, of course, said, OK, let's talk about adopting from China. And at the time we were under 30 years old. And so we realized that in China, you cannot actually start an adoption process until both spouses are 30. Mm -hmm. And so we said, okay, well, it's not time for, for that. So what do we want to do? Do we want to pursue, you know, another country? And then we both felt like, actually, we'd like to pursue having children biologically. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, it started out fun and it ended not so fun. Yeah. Well, maybe to, to like go one step back, it also was interesting when the romantic thought of adoption actually turned into action, mm -hmm. you know? And that's that's a different dynamic because when you first asked me at our date if that is something I would consider, yes, of course, it's a it's a romantic thing, you know, to mm -hmm. say, "Oh, hey, of course, adoption sounds great. Why not?" Yeah. But when it actually you know, when you dive further into it and the questions that come with it and the dynamics that come with it, it's a different game. Mm -hmm. And then to really wrestle with that and and still ask yourself, okay, knowing now really what I'm saying yes to, is this still something I see myself capable of doing? And I think there was so many dynamics on that from that we had just different perspectives because Uli and I worked for about 14 years with at-risk children, with orphans, directly in orphanages around the world. And we have we have been part of helping children make their way to orphanages. We've been part of helping support orphanages. Uh, we've also seen the good and the really corrupt side of adoptions. And mm. so we just had this, this, this other perspective and I think this other view on it still believing that that was part of our calling and that was the path for us. Mm. But I do think that when it was time to pursue it, there there was definitely a bit of being hesitant and saying, okay, let's give it a few years and let's try first biologically. Mm -hmm. And so we tried. We tried for many years 
and we never got pregnant. And it was a very, very painful season. And if anybody has ever gone through a season of infertility, you know, you know how painful it is, you know, how lonely it is, how confusing it is, um, the pressure that it can put on um, both both men and, and women and also the dynamics that it just creates inside of your marriage. And it was just a really hard, sad time. Mm-hmm. And I remember after many years of trying and doing all the, you know, all the obstacles and jumping through the hoops, there was just this time where I just felt like I knew this wasn't our path. I knew that this was not, that we were supposed to adopt. But I think there was also this part, and I think only if you've been somebody who's been trying to get pregnant, you'll understand this. It kind of became this like, I'm going to do this because it has to work because I started this and it's, I've got to finish this. And I think we really, you know, pushed that longer than we should have. Mm. And then there was that moment where I just remember I was in this room and I was crying and I just said, okay, Lord, I really feel like we're done pursuing. I'm, I'm, I'm breaking up with infertility. I think we, I'm ready to pursue adoption. And I came out of the room and Uli was like kind of abruptly standing right there at the door. And he was like, Hey, I wasn't listening. No, you were listening. And he was like, Hey, I think it's time to pursue adoption. And I was like, wow, that was the confirmation I needed. Mm. And so we did, we got into it, but we were living in Germany. Yeah. And it was very foreign to us to figure out how do you do, because we knew we wanted to pursue international adoption. We knew we wanted to do China adoption. So first, do you remember we went to the adoption agencies? In China. That's right. Or, yeah. Sorry, in Germany. Yeah. yeah. And and I, I just want to say also, you know, um, the whole experience of with infertility, for me, it was a very humbling uh, season because growing up, of course, everybody can get babies. You know, right. that's like, every, is, that's it's a right. It's a given. Yeah. yeah. And then being older, wanting to build my own family, I had to realize, no, it's not, you know, which actually brought me into a really amazing place of of valuing kids even more mm. you know how how awesome uh and i was able to see that a, 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 a children are a gifts you know I, I before that i wasn't really able to see that because i thought well it's if you want them you just get them you know mm. you pop them out <laughs> uh but there was a humbling uh, experience, um, and I learned. No, actually, you know what? Um, this is this is a, a miracle. This is a special gift, and um, it was. I'm very thankful for for this experience. Mm. Um, and and you can do the math. So when we said there was a kids free zone, and you can only adopt when you're 30. So now we're in our 30s. Right. Yeah. And uh, yes, we went first. Uh, when we were in Germany, there are certain um, NGOs who are in charge of specific countries. Mm-hmm. So everybody in Germany, from my understanding back then, was uh, going to the same agency if they consider, for example, adopting from China. Every no matter where you live, there is no local agency. There's one that in in is in charge 
for the whole country right. for every German. Right. And so, um, yeah, we went and wanted to know more how a adoption would look like in Germany if we are adopting from China. Mm-hmm. And that's where they encouraged us to actually go through a U.S. agency that worked with expats because the U.S. just had so many more agencies and so many more opportunities for for adoption. Um, and so we, we did. We ended up switching to a wonderful adoption agency called Small World Adoption in um, Tennessee. And we started processing with them our different options for adoption. And we, we knew that they were working with China. But still there was... There was a hesitancy, and I think bringing it back to what Uli was saying with the years of fertility, we were so fragile at that time, and we had just so such little, little tiny bit of, of faith and hope that we would be able to have children. And so when we actually got you know to the point of having the strength to say, we're gonna come after years of trying one avenue, we're gonna jump ship and try not just another avenue, but just a huge mammoth of an avenue because adoption process is so, so hard and it's so long and it's so much effort um, that when you're already just starting that journey off so, so tired, um, it just feels overwhelming. And they told us the different programs that they had. And as much as I knew we were going to adopt from China, that was a promise I'd had since I was 12. I think I was scared that it wasn't going to work. I was scared that just like the fertility, it, it wasn't going to happen. And so I said, let's start with another country first. Let's make sure it works and then try China again. And that as many of the wonderful excuses and the many reasonings and the, you know, all the things that I had said, I really felt like we should try something else. And so um, I remember I had this dream about an African little boy who was about three years old who had curly hair and his name was Micah and I woke up and I said to Uli like does you know does small world have um any African programs for adoption and they had Madagascar Mm -hmm. and that really resonated with us the culture resonated with us and um and so we pursued Madagascar Mm -hmm. we did our home study we they flew over from America to to Germany. They did our walkthrough. Um, we did all the paperwork. We got our dossier ready. We got the approval from the United States government. We sent everything to Madagascar, and we were waiting to be matched. And we were like, okay, this is it. It's good. It's gonna work. And then our agency called us, <laughs> and they said, hey. It's not going to work. There are politically what's going on right now. The program is, is changing. They're not taking any any families. They're not um, they're not allowing, you know, any adoptions to happen right now. And we you know, you guys can wait this out, but we have no idea how long it's going to happen or it's going to take. Do you want to pursue another country? 
And I remember in this moment just being like, of course, again, something doesn't work. And yeah, when you, when you're so used to, well, the door is shut to to grow your family, right? Yeah, you're you're that's where you go to. That's your thinking pattern. That's that's where what you start believing. There is I don't know, maybe you're cursed. Maybe you are mm-hmm. um, just not called to be parents. Maybe you are you're not good enough. Not to be good parents. enough, or yeah. I don't know. There's a higher dynamic at play that is trying to tell you something. You you're just somehow in this in this um in this belief you know that is very negative and and discouraging yeah it felt like a punch to the gut just after everything we'd gone through but somehow we said instead of saying we're out we're done we said what are our options and our agency said Right now, it looks like the best program for you guys to pursue would be China. And I just remembered this feeling of, of course, of course. And we, I, I don't even think we took more than like a day to think about it, but we said yes. And we just knew, of course, it's China. You know, of course, we're coming back, um, back to plan A. Back to plan A. And um, so we got into the program and they sh- they shifted over our um, dossier. Yeah, our dossier from from Madagascar. We had to do some updated stuff within our home study, but then they they shifted over to um, China. They sent it. And I think it was under it went fast. Yeah, it was under two it was, months. Yeah, which was great. Yeah, we got no and sorry, under two months and we were we we found Bobe. And you know it was great because before all the doors seemed to close. Yeah. And suddenly it was like somebody switched into the fifth gear and we were just rushing through the process. It it was crazy. It in that in those two months we did see other files. We did see other children. And I think that's really important to talk about because something that people don't always understand about an adoption process is that um, different countries require different things. The way you go through a um, a domestic adoption is that you want to, you know, you have more chances to to be matched with a child if you're obviously more open and you have a very wider um, list of special needs that you would say yes to or race or or whatnot and with china specifically they actually require that you make kind of a short list um there are so many children and they ask that you would say okay what special needs because all all adoptions coming out of china right now are special needs so what special needs are you um able to say yes to would you be comfortable with which age group which gender all of that and so that was really hard and and that's that's the part that i I'm referring to, uh, you know, when the romantic thought yes. gets real. Yes. Uh, when yes. you when you need to really uh, talk about the what you're saying yes to mm-hmm. the practical things, um, the implications, or um, also psychologically what you are saying yes to, mm-hmm. you know, uh, parenting wise, what you are saying yes to, because it will have different dynamics and different. Uh, it needs different strategies than a non-adoptive child needs. 
there, there's a lot more part of of the whole dynamic bringing in a child into your family when it's adopted and that that's when suddenly the romantic thought of adoption gets real however and this is something that i really need to emphasize it was so much fun <laughs> and it was still such an adventure and it was a, a privilege to be part of this journey you know mm -hmm. even when Liz said earlier it is so much work it it really is the it's amount like a of job it is a part <laughs> it is it feels like a part-time job um and the amount of paperwork is overwhelming however it is so much fun mm -hmm. and i have to say this eventually and do, and also during the process i continuously had the thought actually this is not that bad yeah i think once you you get into it and you kind of find your pace and you get organized i will say this side note i'm not an extremely organized person or wasn't pre-adoption but man adoption forces you to get organized i got really into the filing system and the color coding system and i uh i'm, I'm just a brand new person because of this but anyway, so back to getting matched, we did see um, a few files and those files were not actually in the scope of the things in which we had put on our list that we were um, eligible for, meaning that we had said, yes, those special needs, yes, that age. Um, and so we had seen some other children on a list because our we our agency asked us to, are you open to seeing other children here and there and we of course said yes because you always want to keep your heart open and that was really some great advice that we were given was make your list have the conversations with your pediatricians and and ask them about specific special needs so that you you are educated on the severity but also maybe that that how not severe some of them are that we think they are um, know what age that you could really imagine yourself with and then make that list and talk and pray about it together as, as a couple or by yourself if you're a single parent um, adopting and then submit it but be open just be open because you never know the child that's going to be presented to you that could be outside of that list and that was Bobe for us we got a message um really late at night again our agency is you know behind was behind us six hours in in the united states and so we got a message that said hey are you are you up i've got somebody i'd like you to see she's three and a half years old and we were hoping for a little bit younger would you be interested in seeing her i've got a feeling about this and we said yes yeah we didn't really have to think about it we just knew we really trusted our agent and we we said send her the send us the file and so we got this email late at night and it was so funny because Uli was already like almost you know head on on the pillow and I said do you want to see her and he goes show show her to me and I just remember showing him her photo and he just had this big smile on his face and then he just passed out <laughs> He just went to sleep. I, of course, was like up all night looking at her. And then Uli woke up in the morning. I was like, Anne, he's like, let me see this file. And 
we just knew that was that was our girl. We, of course, did what we were required to do. We went to our pediatrician. We asked them to look at her file. We processed it over, I think you had something like, what? How many days was it? Like three days or something, yeah. two days? Yeah. And then we said yes. And that was, like Lily said, the absolute best yes of our lives was to Bobe Dean Mansion. Bobe Dean Mansion. And then we said yes, and it was six more months to yeah. wait. Yeah. And although at this point, I think it had been almost seven years of waiting for a child, those six months still felt longer. Mm-hmm. Because you then had this little picture. I think we, how many pictures did we print out of We Bobe? put it, Bobe was everywhere. <laughs> uh, every, every family member got some pictures, <laughs> the same picture. We uh, we hung it on the fridge. We hung it next to the beds. We hung it by the by the uh, in the office everywhere. You know, we I remember we even put her in a little frame. And when we had dinner at night, we would bring <laughs> her and put her in the little kid seat, and we would just prepare for Bobe coming home. Um, and it was it was a hard wait, but then eventually we went we went to get her. It was time mm. to go. And right before we went, you got really sick. Do you know what is the best tool we found to help our family with learning Chinese? When we first brought Bobe home from China, we were desperate for tools, materials, anything that would help our international family communicate. We were trying to learn Mandarin, and Bobe was trying to learn English and German while maintaining her Mandarin. What a trooper. And after looking around a lot, we are so thrilled that we found Hobby Hobby. It is the best for our family. Hobby Hobby is a collection of bilingual books that pairs with a reading wand that reads the book. Literally, you just turn on this magical wand and tap the book. Every inch of every book is tappable. It's amazing. Anyone, regardless of their language background, can learn because it's like having a tutor at your fingertips. It's so brilliant. For example, when we pointed to the picture of the water glass, we learned that it was shui in Mandarin, while Bobe learned it was water in English. We learn together, and that's how we both picked up our respective languages. Do you want water? If you're an adoptive family looking for survival tools for those first months home with your child who speaks a different language, or your family passionate about teaching your child a second language, you must seriously try Hobby Hobby. To live wild and free in languages, lions, turn to Hobby Hobby. Hobby, like happy, with bees. I got, like, super sick. I was, I don't even know how I made it to China. Honestly, I don't even. I I I, I remember remember it. I remember it, but it was. uh, I remember it was horrible. Um, I was so drugged up. (laughs) And this is now, even now, talking about it. You know, like we're still having COVID. Yeah. Uh, And I was. You were like I was COVID level sick. If you would have seen me, if you would see me now in the state I was in back then. There would be no way I could probably even enter the airport. No, you no know? way, um, no way. I was, um, yeah, sick it like was, a dog. It was fever, really uh, run like co- congested like crazy. Yeah. Um, I was in a bad shape, but um, hey, this is not a paid advertisement, but aspirin complex. <laughs> if you can get your hands on that stuff in Deutschland, yeah, you can't get it in America. Sorry, it's guys. the schnitzel. And it just take enough of that stuff and you appear Gosh. almost like a normal citizen. 
And so that was me on that airplane uh, for, I don't, I, I think it was like 12, flight. 13 hours. Yeah, yeah you I slept was just. The whole flight. And I was wide awake. And I remember I, I couldn't, I couldn't watch a movie. I couldn't, I couldn't think. All I could do, I wrote letters. I wrote Bobe letters. I wrote, um, I, lo- I wrote letters to myself. I wrote letters to her, her birth mother, who we've never met. And I just kept writing these letters and processing my thoughts. And I, I still have them and I've kept them all. Yeah, and totally. I, I, I did that too. Yeah, like yeah. way, way before. Oh yeah, totally, totally. Novels of letters. And, but I remember the entire time I was feeling as though I'm going into battle. Because here's the thing. When you're going through the adoption process, the entire time you are being prepared for the day in which you meet your child, which they're always saying, just prepare for the worst. Prepare for rejection on every level. Prepare for your child to be scared, to not to want to talk with you, to not to want to go to you, to be crying and screaming, to possibly... We, we were ready for psychological warfare. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I was in my mind. I remember even... Locked down in the hotel, <laughs> screaming and yelling 24-7, well, throwing that's... toys back and forth because I, I'm throwing back. No. Oh and... my gosh, really. <laughs> <laughs> No, but we were ready. I mean, we painted the worst case scenario. Yeah. And that's... We had so many friends who had said, you know, my child... They flipped out. They started screaming. They started hurting themselves because they couldn't, you know, understand what was happening. And so I remember when it was, we got there and, and you had two days to kind of get ready. And then on the, the ride there, I was, I've never felt that emotion before of just so excited and scared, but for my child, just really just worried about how Bobe was was handling it. And then I remember they sent us this video of her on her way to meeting us. And she was in the car and she was dancing and singing and so excited. And they kept saying like, you know, she's she's excited, she's good, it's okay. And I just couldn't accept it. I remember being like, she doesn't know where she's going. She doesn't understand what's happening. Of course, like this is, no, she's going to meet us and she's just going to freak out. And then you go into this, you know, government official building. They put you in this small room. There's another family with us in that room and you just wait. And then the door, they said, okay, she's here. And the door opens and this little tiny like bunny little girl just starts jumping towards us screaming mama baba mama baba and she leaps into our arms and gives us like this huge hug and she was so excited Mm -hmm. and so giddy and guys i went into complete shock i could not it's like my brain and my heart and my body could not catch up with what was happening. That she was finally here. After seven years, she was here. And not only was she here, but she was as excited to meet us as we were to meet her. Yeah. And that was just this huge moment. And I remember after that, we brought her back to the hotel 
the the guide that was with us, he asked her, hey, there's a little kid bed here. Do you want to sleep in the kid bed tonight? And she goes, no, no, no. I want to, I want to sleep right in the middle of my mama and baba, right in the middle of the bed. And I just remember being completely. I was just like, great, here we go. <laughs> no. <laughs> right in the middle. And I, I remember again, we just, you know, we stayed up I, so late with her and um, we were tickling her and playing with her. We, she, she had to take a bath and she asked me like, get in the bath with me. I got in the bath with her and I was like, this is the most magical first day ever. And then the next day, do you remember that? I was in complete shock. Yeah, I was like, where did my wife go? I was not there, guys. I completely checked out. I could not. I was, okay. I was like, let's get back here. I'm running out of candy. <laughs> stickers. Many stickers. Oh, yeah. I could not fathom that it was going to be okay. I was still, after everything we had gone through, I think there was still this level of when is the shoe going to drop? when is she going to freak out? When is she going to want to leave or not be with us or reject us? When am I going to, you know, fail? All these, all these things. And I remember you got right in my face and you just said, this is real. This is happening. Accept it. And let's do this. And I went to the bathroom. I had a big cry. <laughs> Um, had a very big cry and I just accepted that this was the goodness from God and from there on we had this really magical moment and I think for a big breaking point for me being a mom was actually when Bobe had her first cry yeah I think that's important to say because we know we are aware this is not usual mm-hmm. and this might not be the same experience for every adoptive parent no, no. Um. So there are, we, we still had moments and, and still do sometimes have moments that are tough, you know, and where things are not like, wow, this was just perfect. Um, I think it's, it's important to emphasize there was this moment of um, shock. There were emotions that we did not expect mm-hmm. that we couldn't prepare for, even though we prepared for the worst. Mm-hmm. It, there, were, there was still this moment where we kind of, had an I would say almost like an outer body experience is like what yes. is happening yes. right now I didn't expect this I didn't see this one coming what am I supposed to do with this I didn't prepare for this am I gonna be good enough am I gonna be able to do this I'm in a foreign country with my new child um I'm freaking out you know right. and so I think that's more I think what what is the 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 important resource or the important part of this story is you know there is there will always be something you feel you're totally out of your element you're a fish out of the water and you you're freaking out mm-hmm. and but then also to expect things to go better and um and accept them as they are or for things to be worse and still accept them as they are and and trust that you are able to go through this together or you know absolutely um, with your child yeah and and that was for me that groundbreaking moment was when she did have her first real cry and 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 freak out and we 
I scooped her up and I put her on my chest and I laid down on the bed with her and I just rocked her to sleep and I just held her tight. And I think any mother who's had that first experience, whether it's when you're delivering your baby and your baby, you know, comes out screaming and crying, you hold them and you, you, you comfort them. That's just that moment that you realize who you are to them and who they are to you. And, and that was just, I think the the moment I needed to really just have that with her. And so that was China. I was just accepting the goodness it was becoming mm. a family it was so fun it was it was chaotic she was speaking chinese Uli was speaking german i was speaking english not much has changed but man it was even more crazy there and we had a wonderful experience and then we came home and we went back to germany and we did our cocooning which is just this time that you set aside as adoptive parents to say no visitors, no outside influence. We're just going to stay at home. We're just going to, you know, get to know each other, allow the child to uh, learn their new environment, be together. And we, we had decided to do that um, until we felt it was time. So we did it, mm. I think, for like almost two months. Well, we, we yeah, our intention was to, cre to create as much quality time yes. as possible. And what was very helpful was let's just like have enough activities in the house that everybody feels happy and comfortable with. Mm -hmm. But also we, I remember we left the house as much as possible. Right. And um, yeah, we, I think it was around two months at least. And then we said, I think we okay, were planning for three, but it ended up being yeah, two. We felt like Bobe had adjusted really well. And so we had done small trips out to the playground, to cafes, things like that. And we said, okay, it's time. I remember we went to see Uli's family. We had Chinese New Year's. We came back. And then we heard about the pandemic. <laughs> and so after, so after two months of, um, of, cocooning we went straight into lockdown in germany and that was actual lockdown where you stayed inside your home for pretty much the remainder of the year mm, curfew and everything it was insane and um for those of you who don't know we ended up having to leave germany um in that first year because our adoption was not recognized by the german government it's a very long story it's a great juicy story listen to our first one of our first podcasts the whale story and you can learn all about it but something that we hadn't shared in the in the whales um story podcast was that in that time we already knew we wanted to pursue a second adoption from china we knew we wanted bobe to have a sibling we knew how long the process could take and so we wanted to get on it straight ahead and so while we we're in the middle of um going through this huge battle with the german government about our current adoption we we're also asking them, would it be possible for us to pursue a second adoption um, from China? And even after we got through the courts and and thought that things were going to get better, they had said to us, um, no, you, you cannot pursue a second adoption. We're not going to recognize it. And so that was also a really big reason why we decided to move to the United States was because we knew from America we could pursue a second adoption. And our agency said, yep, just come over. As soon as you land, we'll get on 
the process. You know, it's really slow right now. Nothing's really happening because of the pandemic. But by the time you get here, it's surely going to open. So we moved. I remember we were unpacking boxes and I was trying to get our home study um, finalized and we're pushing it and we're pushing it. We get through and we get our home study pretty much done and we're we're kind of waiting to see and it's still not working. No. It, China was still on hold and up to this day. And it was not moving forward. And no. I and if you're an adoptive parent who has been waiting to adopt from China or unfortunately you've already been matched with a child from China, um you know how many times we've heard, "Oh, just get through the first you know, Chinese New Year's and then China will open up again or through the Olympics and so on and so on. And so nothing was moving. And so at this point, it had been a year of us living here and two years of us pursuing a Chinese adoption, a second Chinese adoption. And at this point, I think we were just fed up. You know, it had been seven years till we got to Bobe. We just moved halfway across the world to pursue this adoption uproot our entire lives and it wasn't working and so without much thought we made the quick decision and we switched over to the Taiwan program which is an amazing program I we absolutely recommend it we've had so many friends that are part of it right now and we are absolutely for that program but when we got into it we had realized that something wasn't feeling right for us yeah and and it it really is just a a feeling and and i would say we got pretty good in the process to just pay better attention to how we feel yes in there are so many thoughts that go into this process analyze things many thoughts about presuming how something might play out uh, what needs to be prepared and how to do things and and sometimes these thoughts get get got us spinning you know and i think what we learned in the process was to just stop thinking for a moment be like how do we feel Mm. you know and um with this switch we we did we did talk about it we did pray about it we did think about it and but after we actually made the decision and locked it in with the agency it you know a feeling followed that we just couldn't deny and it was clear to us you know what this feeling we need to give it attention and and i always say in coaching that the feelings are the children of our emotions and we did that with this with this emotion what what is really the desire behind not being happy with the switch to taiwan and also there was this differentiation between are we stuck Mm. or do we just need to have patience you know yeah, and I think that's the question that probably everybody who's in this process is asking right now. Um, families that have been waiting for over two years for children that they've been that they've been matched with. There's over 400 families in the United States alone who have been waiting through this entire pandemic to bring their children home that they've already been matched with. Um, and so when we are in this process. We said, you know what, we really, truly need to look at this and not, you know, where are our children, but who are our children? And that really shifted our focus. And And for us, we, we felt that, yes, we um, 
we want to continue doing a China adoption, but we also feel that right now we also want to have a second child in our home. And so what we decided was, what did we decide, Uli? Well, we actually, you know, it's a funny, it's, it's, a, it's an ongoing theme here. We started a parallel adoption. Always doing parallels. <laughs> yeah, we actually decided to go domestic. That's right. While China is still in progress. And yeah, we. I, I think for us, China was just something we always feel, felt called to. And w- there w- were all these dynamics of, well, Taiwan could be China. It's Chinese culture. It's the, the Mandarin language. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we just still felt like, well, I don't know. Like we still feel called to China. Mm-hmm. Um, and we still feel like we want to move forward in our family planning. And therefore, we went with the new adoption approach or a new adoption approach of also adopting domestically. That's right. So we are currently in the process of pursuing China and pursuing domestic parallel to that. And we are so excited. And something that I just realized in talking about this that we forgot to share was that, um, you know, we talk a lot about coming back the, the circle always closes and always kind of going back to the beginning and and the plan a um when we had first pursued the madagascar adoption and i had said you know i had that dream about that little boy something that we found out through our agency after we had already um gotten into the chinese adoption was that madagascar opened back up again and in that time, there was other families behind us that were on the waiting list that they stuck it out and they stayed with it. And because we dropped out of the program to pursue China, they moved forward. And I was connected with a family who ended up adopting a little boy who was around three years old with curly hair and his middle name was Micah. And when I saw his picture, I wept because he was exactly the little boy I'd seen in my dreams. But I knew so deeply that he was in the right family and that maybe we had been in Madagascar and holding a spot that was supposed to be for them to catch up to get there. And maybe in that time period that we were holding that spot, Bobe was getting, you know, prepared to be able to be adopted and you just you don't know what God is doing behind the scenes in those long periods of waiting and those long periods of wrestling with is this still what I'm supposed to be pursuing and I think what we learn through this entire process of adoption is you just keep moving and don't let fear paralyze you There are going to be obstacles. There is going to be a fight. It is not going to be easy. But the best treasures in life do not come easy. They are a hunt. You've got to dig for them. You've got to go into the hard caves and you've got to pursue them. And when we look now at our daughter and we think the timing was perfect. Our daughter is perfect. She is exactly who we were always meant to be with. And those seven years, we look at them as, ah, they were just years that prepared us for her. 
They were painful. They were excruciatingly hard. Do I want to do them again? No. Were they necessary? I believe so now. And in the pursuit that we're on now, we just are moving onward forward. Maybe in a few months, we have a different update. But this is our journey. And this is what we believe is to just onward forward. So in closing this out, Uli, what do you think? Do you have any any closing thoughts for us? You know, I, I was really thinking my mo- if somebody would ask me, what is or was your superpower mm. uh, in, in, in those first uh, weeks from meeting Bobe for the first time, being in the hotel while finishing up the process in China mm-hmm. to coming home and, and nesting, you know, what was your superpower to get through this, which actually went from the, the nesting two months into almost like two, three years of uh, COVID, you know? So if somebody would ask me, what was your superpower that got you through this? I would say my superpower was to to have a healthy connection to my inner child, yep. to be silly, to goof around, to be creative, to be flexible. That makes me resilient, you know, um, something that Bobe can connect to, um, something that gives me ideas, something that doesn't overthink, but just jumps in and makes the best out of it. But this healthy connection to my inner child, being aware of my emotions as well, you know, um, wanting to have fun, being in the moment in the here and now, being able to tap into that really gave me the energy, the strength, and and also the, the positivity that I needed in order to get through this season. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You got to figure out what it is that keeps you magical and keeps the journey going forward. And when it gets hard, always come back to the beginning and what it is that you're pursuing. So guys, that is our adoption story. Um, We are so honored that you listened and yeah, drop us any messages you have about adoption. We get messages all the time from families wanting to learn more. And we're always open to answer questions and walk with you on your journey of living wild and free. Onward forward, Lions. See you next time. Bye-bye.